I just love seeing all the people. It's just awesome. I just love this. Um, when, uh, oh, I guess let me begin. I'm David Danley. I am one of the pastors around here. It's the first time I've been able to legally say that. So, um, thank you. It's too kind. I had a math teacher in the eighth grade that is one of my, probably one of my favorite teachers of all time. And he had an interesting um, stratagem as part of his the way he taught every single day or class day, school day there would be a pop test given, a pop quiz but you never knew who it was going to get who was going to get it because he had six periods with one being an off period and he had had five classes so first thing he'd do every morning he'd get to school, get in his office he would take a die roll it, and whatever number came up, that's who got the pop test for the day. And so if, for example, if it came up a two and you second period class got a pop test, okay? If the same number came up five, six, eight times in a row, it's okay. The same people got to take a test the pop test five, eight times, however many it took. But he was very consistent and that if it came up, whatever number his off class was, then nobody got a test. So that was pretty cool. But you could always tell whether you were it for the day because he would always start out the exact same way. He would say, Take out a clean sheet of paper. If it, if you didn't have it, he'd start off with something else. But every single time, without fail. Okay, so I want you all to take out a clean sheet of paper. I'm kidding. Okay, who, um, who's been here off and on or consistently for the last, I don't know, six, eight, ten weeks? familiar with the series that we're in, uh, relational needs. I do would like to hear you know, some of your feedback. What are some of the, the areas that we've covered? Encouragement, attention, approval, acceptance, any others? I'll get to that in a minute. It's on my list. Okay. So how many do we have left? Any idea? Okay. Now, if you have been positively affected by any one of these sessions, please raise your hand. Okay. Real high. Okay, let the record show that some 85 to 90% of the people in the room raised their hands, and the other people just hadn't been here. So, so today, I get to go through 
the topic of our need for comfort. And had I known what I was getting myself into, I would have asked for a whole ten-week slot to do a series. Because that's really what it would take to do it justice. Um, I suspect it probably is that way for all the rest of them as well. Randy's nodding his head. Um, you know, until you get up here and you know you're facing the way I'm facing, it's really hard to relate necessarily. But anybody, you want to really be praying for the teachers and supporting the teachers in any way that they can because. There's a lot involved, and Randy and Clara have done this week in, week out for over 10 years, closing in on 11. So they have paid their dues, and they are worthy of your prayers and support. Now concludes the commercial. Okay, so there's a lot of things that we can derive comfort from. Oh, like food if you can tell or not, but man, that's a great looking plate of meatloaf. Um, oh, awesome. <laughs> okay, the vegetarians in the room have are protesting. Oh, there's breakfast. I had a I had a great big bowl of hot steaming oatmeal this morning. It was awesome. So there's a Pan of bacon, pot of grits. Yeah, it's good stuff. Ooh, there's a chocolate. Now, I want, want you to think about this. What if this? What if this was right out of the oven? It was warm and moist and had a, a big old scoop of ice cream on it. Wait, come back, come back. No, everybody has to stay in here. You can't go eat yet. Family. <laughs> My wife is a great comfort to me. And last year, I was able to spend some time with my older brother. And we had not, he lives in North Carolina, and we had not been able to spend any time together in who knows how long. Well, we were able to spend a good two or three days together, and it was a great comfort for both of us. Now, what about some four-legged creatures? That, that That unconditional love that... That puppies have. They never reject you. They never say no. Anybody use a hug? <laughs> Hugs can be comforting, even even of the bovine variety. Okay. It's no, really, it's not a bunch of bull. I'm, I'm, Okay, how about money? Can money be a comfort sometimes? I know um, Mariana was out of work for quite some time, and she has 
going back to work, praise the Lord. And it has been a great comfort, <laughs> among other things, to, uh, to be fully employed, both of us. And last but not least, you might get comfort from their Bible. Okay, I see a lot of heads nodding. We're going to dig into this in a little bit. Okay. I like to do word research when I can, find out the definitions of the words or try to look at the Greek and figure out, you know, what the usage was at the time. Um, I looked up the word comfort in on well literally this time on dictionary.com and I just okay we're not going there because there was like a list a mile long of different definitions so we're going to use this working definition that um, our head coach has came up with for me in that comfort is to give strength and hope to to ease grief or pain, to cheer, or to console. Now, you might notice there were some some things uh, missing from the list that I went through earlier, and we could probably play, you know, word games for hours and come up with all kinds of possibilities. And I wish we had time to do more of that. But I, there's one in particular that I do want to talk about. And that would be friends. And I want to talk to you about a specific friend. And especially how this person lines up with Scripture. Proverbs 20, 18, 24 says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I have a friend like that. He's always glad to see me or hear from me. He knows me like no one else does. He's my mentor. He's my teacher. He knows exactly what presents to get me for any occasion. He gives me the absolute best advice I have ever received over the years he fights on my behalf you know this not my big brother older brother <laughs> he helps me get closer to God and get to know God better he prays for me and helps me pray for others he coaches me and he encourages me anybody like to have a friend like that I see one hand. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so who is this friend? I can hear you all asking. <laughs> Patience. We'll get there. In chapter 14 of the book of John, it's recorded that Jesus is beginning to prepare his disciples for the end of his ministry and he 
says this, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another paraclete who will never leave you. That's my, not parakeet, (laughs) paraclete, okay? That's my friend. And as promised, he never leaves me. Now, the word paraclete can be used in a number of ways. Uh, It's counselor, comforter, encourager, advocate, and helper. But it's literally one who comes alongside. Now, on the subject of Jesus, there's obviously a lot to consider. And when you think about the Bible, how many tens of thousands of churches are there around the country, around the world even, that are teaching from the one book? And how many different lessons and how many different aspects that are being explored? I find that fascinating. If we reflect just on the part of his um, his existence that was his death and resurrection, it's easy to t- to um, think of the sacrifice that won our victory over death. However, the crucifixion triggered another event. So let's go back to the passage in John, and I've condensed roughly three chapters into. Um, Uh, one paragraph so if you love me obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another paraclete that's interesting it says another paraclete because actually I believe it's in 1 John um, Jesus is actually referred to as the paraclete and so here is another paraclete who will never leave you he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth so everybody that guessed Holy Spirit you get a Cupid doll or something. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. How about that? Wouldn't that be comforting, just that? The peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. I'm going away to the one who sent me, and none of you has asked me where I'm going. Instead, you're very sad. But it's actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the paraclete won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince or convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. We could spend two weeks just on this these ten lines but I want to bring out the the first of four aspects of the Holy Spirit that I want to highlight first is that the Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin it's not me and it's not you it's no one outside this room no person no matter how hard they try, can convict someone of sin. Now, they can accuse of guilt. That's a totally different thing. Okay? And now, that's not to say that God can't use people to bring messages to people that will enable the 
convicting power of the Holy Spirit to work. But that's not the same thing. And just a, a bit later, Jesus goes on to say, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now the phrase there that says take heart can, is also translated, be of good cheer, be of good comfort. And I find it comforting that Jesus knows that we're going to have no trouble. I mean, it's we live in a fallen world. And, I mean, is is anyone been exempt from trouble? Really? No. <laughs> okay. I didn't think so. If, was, if this had been an auction, you would have bought something. <laughs> but not only that, is there... In Jesus, we have the overcomer. So let's move forward to the day of Pentecost. And it's chronicled in in Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to pick it up where Peter is ending his first sermon. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in uh, response to a centuries-old prophecy. And Peter is has been drafted into preaching. It's kind of a battlefield promotion, so to speak. And he's trying to explain to people what's going on. And and he says of Jesus that now he sits on the throne of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the paraclete the Holy Spirit, to pour out upon us just as you see in here today. This is a promise fulfilled. One of the things that I find very comforting in the Bible is the existence of hundreds of promises that are fulfilled. You know, it's one thing to make a promise. It's quite another thing to, to have it fulfilled. Now, to be sure, some of them are conditional, but there are a number of unconditional promises as well. So, how does one start a friendship with the Holy Spirit? Well, Peter tells us just a little bit later. He says, Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I can testify myself of how much a gift the Holy Spirit is. He truly is a gift. He's the ultimate gift that keeps giving. And so as you partner with the Holy Spirit, here's what you should begin to see. The fruit of the Spirit, according to Paul, as he writes to the church in Galatia, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many, could anybody stand some more, oh, joy? Oh, come on. No, okay, how about, let's try another one. 
how about love? Anybody use, okay, there get a couple of hands. How about peace? Okay, more and more, and more coming on. Okay. So, here's the second aspect of the Holy Spirit. Is that he is the producer of spiritual fruit. Now we could stop right there, and that would be a lot to deal with. Um, but again, it just because I'm trying to just hit these things at a high level, and hopefully stir you into following up on it after you leave here today. There's more. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth because they're having difficulty in the administration of spiritual gifts. And so he's trying to help them understand how it works. And he writes, Now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. It's the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church, but it's the same Lord we are serving. There are different ways God works in our lives, but it's the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church um, help. That's I don't know that that's paraclete, but it could be. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So you think the Holy Spirit would be someone good to get to know if he's the one that's passing out the gifts no <laughs> thank you <laughs> so the third aspect is the distributor of spiritual gifts did you know that if you want more all you have to do is ask it's really that simple it the Bible says that God uses the foolish, the, the simple things to confound the wise. And this is a very simple concept. If you want more, you just ask for it. Okay? Um, Paul, again, writing to the church at Corinth, he says, In any event, you should desire the most helpful gifts. First, however, let me tell you about something else that is better than any of them. Let love be your highest goal, but also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the gift of prophecy. So it, it is something to be desired, the spiritual gift. So it means that you can express desire and see that desire fulfilled. Jesus himself says, as recorded in Luke chapter 11, says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and this is what this is fascinating. You know, he's talking about fathers giving gifts to their children. You would think that he would say something to the effect of God that God would be giving gifts to His people, but as well. And he does um, in an indirect fashion. Because what he says is, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So again, we see you want more of the fruit of the Spirit, you want more spiritual gifts, all you have to do is ask. Hang out with him. Um, 
let him convict you of your sin so you can turn from it. You know, how would that be comforting? You know, isn't what separates us from God? Sin. Everybody say it with me. Sin separates us from God. Well, if the Holy Spirit, if we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and point out the sin in our lives, and we confess it, and we repent of it, and we change, and we go a different direction, then we're going to get that much closer to God. So if you want a secret on how to get closer to God, that's a big one. So in the final analysis, God really cares for and about people. He wants us to care for and about people. Again, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. All praise to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. Now the German poet Rainer Rilke said this. He says, Do not believe that he who seeks to comfort you lives untroubled amongst the simple and quiet words that sometimes do you good. His life has much difficulty. Were it otherwise, he would never have been able to find those words. So, I don't know how comforting this may be, but sometimes... Things happen to you for a reason, to me, (laughs) for a reason. And there are times that we don't understand. A lot of times it takes hindsight, and we can, uh, if we just ride out the storm and get to a place where we can look back over time, then we can see God's hand at work. You know, when in the midst of the storm, we're like treading water or something for all we're worth. (laughs) And his hand's on us, but we can't feel it because all we can all we can sense or understand is the storm that we're in. <laughs> Tryon Edwards, American theologian of the 1800s, said this: "Quiet and sincere sympathy is often the most welcome and efficient consolation to the afflicted." Said a wise man to one in deep sorrow. I did not come to comfort you. God only can do that. But I did come to say how deeply and tenderly I feel for you in your affliction. How many times have you heard the training, uh, coaching that is given around here of, you know, an emotional situation needs an emotional response. You know, and you can say things like, I feel really bad for what's happened to you, that kind of thing. Um, Anybody ever had anybody try to comfort you and kind of blew it? (laughs) You know, they were meaning well, but didn't quite, just missed the mark by just a little bit, you know. Well, we've all experienced that. And so if just a little bit of guidance here, if you don't know what to say, just don't say anything. 
Don't force something. Avoid saying things that you wouldn't want said to you if the situation were reversed. And quite often the most comforting thing to do is to just be with the person. You just be a paraclete and come alongside. There's a man named Joe that's a has his own book. He has his own book out. <laughs> Is he, how many people have ever read the the book of Job all the way through? Wow. How many understand it? <laughs> okay. Okay. Shameless plug. Consider VLI. Because that's one of the things that we studied. So. Job suffered just tremendous losses. Lost his uh, kids, his farm animals, his servants, everything that was of value. Somehow he didn't lose his wife. I don't know what the message is in that, but that's something for another day. So we see early on in the process and that three of Job's friends, they were named Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They heard of the tragedy that Job had suffered. They got together and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to demonstrate their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights, and no one said a word, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of this crazy world that we can't understand most of the time, that you have given us the provision of comfort. And that you do it directly. And you also do it indirectly through um, through your church and through your people. And Lord, we the when we talk of people being lost when they don't know you. And ransomed and saved when they do know you. Lord, just that one thing alone would be worth it all. But that's just the beginning. Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
I thank you for all that he does on our behalf and all that he partners with us to do to minister to others. Thank you, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that you've never changed. It's your nature. You can't help but being faithful because that's who you are. It's what you are. And Lord, I ask that you would touch each one here, Lord, in a profound way. Lord, that you would open up their minds, their spirits, Lord, to the exact thing that they need to take away from here today. Lord, I ask that you would make up for any deficiency of mine in the delivery of of this uh, message. And Lord, I thank you that I don't have to ask you to be an ever-present help because you are. Lord, I ask that you would empower each one of us here to go forward this week. That we could be paracletes to those outside the church walls. Lord, in the neighborhoods and in the uh, marketplace. That all we need to do is just come alongside and befriend people. And be a friend. And we can stick closer to them than a brother would. And that's how we win them to you, Lord. I'd like to invite the um, the folks that are um, our prayer ministers up front. I was thinking earlier when we were bringing everybody up, it's like who's left. <laughs> so, but um, the um, you know the community group leaders, ministry leaders, anyone that's trained in in prayer. Because I believe there are some specific things that the Lord wants to do. First, might be in need of comfort by the definition, the working definition that we had. That you need strength or hope. That you need grief or pain eased. You need to be cheered or you need to be consoled. Maybe for um, whatever reason, you're having trouble believing that God really cares. Maybe you've been going to the wrong things for comfort. Maybe you've been convicted of your sin and you're ready to believe that Jesus has overcome the world. 
Maybe you've already taken that step and you've received Jesus into your heart. And now you're ready to be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've already been baptized and you want to see the gift of the Holy Spirit activated in your life. You could want more spiritual fruit or gifts. And I believe at least one, if not more, have specifically experienced pain that has not been ministered to or healed from poor attempts at comfort. And last but not least, what came to me as I was preparing this is, who comforts the comforters? If you just need a refill so you can get back out and get back at it again and come up to the front. And I don't think that leaves too many people out. (laughs) So I want to encourage you to come up, let the Lord minister to you, let these people pray for you, and begin to see changes in your life. Begin to see the Holy Spirit be more manifest in your life. Thank you for your attention and your interaction. I enjoyed it. And I urge you to go in peace and be a paraclete.